Mm-hmm. Good so, to have you back, Joe. Yeah, where was I last week? I don't know. I was missing. AWOL. I was AWOL. You know what happened? Peace broke out. It did. And the world became a better place. Excellent, excellent. So there's nothing... It's all good? It's all good. We're just here to celebrate the fact. Have a party? No, I'm bullshitting. The world's still going to hell in a handbasket. Really? Yeah. Is it even in a handbasket? By a thousand cuts. You know, death by a thousand cuts. It's more like... It's horrible. Watch this. Going to hell in a handbasket. I like floating down a river in a handbasket. Yeah, a river of sewage. A river of sewage. And it's not even a handbasket. It's probably like a... No, it's probably made in China plastic. Made of paper. Of course, yeah. It's a paper... Plastic, at least. It's a chance. Paper boat. Uh, yeah, so what, what what were you talking about last week? Um, I was oh, geez. always occupied, so... Uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, the whole... Uh, were you here for two and a half hours? No, no, it? that was the breaking news. That was that the thing, the current thing. Yeah, know? yeah. The thing that everybody had to get work, worked up about. And, uh, hmm. was, I found it interesting in the end, you know. It's almost yeah. 50 years to the year. Mm. It does kind of close a weird... It brackets a weird episode mm. in itself. Obviously, the U.S. is complex and many things come together. Mm. Um, it kind of gave it back. When I started to read about how it came about, why that decision was made in the first place, mm. I realized no wonder the U.S. has been so polarized on this issue, or, or rather it became polarized to mm. the point of you're, you're one or the other. Well, that's what you're encouraged to be. Right. That's not really true. Most Americans actually consistently poll in a in the middle ground. in a rational yeah. middle ground which isn't hard to which do. is reflected in their in their state's laws yeah anyway it was weird it was weird because of the way it was supreme court made a decision that affected all states mm-hmm. and made them adapt their laws to make it much more liberal than europe's for example uh, abortion rights um and you know there's been a 50 year debate then about should the supreme court effectively enact social policy should, mm-hmm. do they get the right law mm-hmm. well there's a strong argument left and right no they shouldn't mm-hmm. it's supposed to adjudicate just right. based on precedent state what is or is not permissible based on laws or what congress or the executive work on mm-hmm. it's not supposed to and they really did enact law in 1973 anyway so um lifting it was really just it's it, with all other things being equal, it would have stabilized. But it should have calmed down. It should not have actually blown up, you mm. know, um, increased polarization in the United States. The, the, that decision in 1973 did that. Mm. But this returned the U.S. to more reasonable. It, it's the complete opposite, actually, of what. Biden said, Biden, you know, shook his head and said, oh, it's terrible. This now makes the U.S. an outlier among developed nations, presumably meant the West. Not at all. This actually brings the U.S. more into line with Europe. Hmm. Um, yeah, but that's not the way it's presented. No, it's presented, it's presented totally rights. differently. Um, anyway, uh, last... That doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's just something you're, 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 it's the latest thing that you're meant to be annoyed about, right? Or meant to be worked up about. And there were some people yeah. got, got a bit worked up, and that gets a lot of press. But I don't think anywhere near a, even a significant percentage of the American population actually did anything about it. No. They, they, no. it. And the fears about riots everywhere, nah. There were you know, protests in a lot of places, but they were typically Small East, Coast, East Coast cities, you know. And it never went beyond 
just a bit of shouting. What the media was saying might happen, I were possibly subtly encouraging to happen, never happened. Yeah. Um, so it 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 sh- in a sense it should really have just been a mundane administrative correction. Yeah. Okay. You know what? States, you decide. I saw an interesting um, uh, picture, image. I don't have it here, but it don't really need it. It, it was for an event to protest uh, for women's rights. Ah, I saw it. Yeah. Roe versus Wade, and it said that uh, like, uh, but it was called. Um, uh, my body, my choice. <laughs> yes. And then underneath it said that you had to have a va- you had to be vaccinated, fax checked. Um, yeah. I tried to find the story. I couldn't. I, it might have been the real poster or sort yeah. of notification about an actual protest. Yeah. I don't think it was any kind of official no. source. But yeah. yeah. But that's what's going on. Like, well, I mean, that's it's true anyway. <clears throat> um, how do people reconcile those two things? They don't. Like, so there's not a lot of thinking going on or not a lot of... Uh, Kind of sober reflection and calm <laughs> consideration of, of of the actual situation. It's just everybody's not everybody again. You, they try to give the impression that er, this is something that everybody's worked up about, and but in reality they're not. Right? Uh, most people are not worked up about this, and most people are not not worked up about Ukraine, and most people are not worked up about. The only thing a lot of people, and again, it's not most people, but the only thing that people were really were worked up about was uh, a significant percentage of the population were, were worked up about, uh, about COVID and, and lockdowns and all that kind of stuff, you know. But these kind of issues that don't really impact people en masse uh, yet, anyway, in terms of Ukraine, but Ukraine and, and uh, Roe versus Wade and stuff, it doesn't impact people large numbers of people directly themselves. It's just, they're just opinions, really, you know what I mean? Mm. Obviously, other than the people in Ukraine when it comes to the invasion of Ukraine. So the idea that there's a lot of people who are w- that feel so strongly about this, these issues that they're willing to take time out and put energy into going out and protesting and making placards and stuff, it's yeah. not, they're not the things that people are protesting about. There are people protesting and, and you know that, that are representative of probably of uh, an opinion in the general population and there's a significant number of people protesting, but it's got nothing to do with the issues that they tell you that you should be protesting about. I mean, like, there's protests yeah. in Holland right now about uh, Dutch farmers mm. are protesting about the Dutch government uh, enacting kind of um, uh, laws that require them to reduce their, their uh, nitrogen consumption in order to save the planet. And farmers in, uh, in, in Holland are, are kind of spraying using tractors and uh, uh, muck spreaders to to, <laughs> to, to dump uh, manure and stuff at government offices and that kind of stuff. It's interesting. That's the kind of thing that gets people out in the streets. And it's just, you know, it's it's one section of the population that are directly impacted. But when it comes to farmers, that's it's a uh, an indication of, of where things might go and that will ultimately affect other people. Or maybe is even affecting other people in different ways, like the, you know, uh, government policies in terms of food supply and um, uh, the greening of the economy and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's a crazy law. It's it's and the Dutch government admitted in <clears throat> statements about it that you know, yeah, this is going to shut down Dutch farms. Right. Um, sorry, but saving the planet, and yeah, the reaction then is is, is strong, but uh, it it also has a lot of popular support. It, it will because people know they don't need to be informed about the issues right. left and right to know this definitely affects me. And they know that in far- the shop supermarket, yeah. like tomorrow, 
And they know that farmers have, generally speaking, when farmers get out in the street, they have legitimate grievances. They have, they're, they're not, not just yeah. they're not just spitballing, like you know. No. The the other interesting overall effect of I thought the fact that a court was making a decision, um, that basically rectified a wrong, mm. an administrative wrong, was that in these times, despite all the craziness that's going on. When it comes down to it, and the rubber hits the road, it's still the, the the legal realities in courts still tend to match objective reality, right? As opposed to the trials by media, um, like this thing that's going on with January sixth, still, mm-hmm. you know, totally cooked, one sided trial. It's made to look legalistic, mm. but it ain't. If it was a real procedure, even by congressional standards, where are the the GOP could respond and so on. It would never be going the way it is. What year is this? This is what is, what is this? Twenty twenty two, right? Uh, what happens in twenty twenty two in America? Uh, it's, it's half halfway point, mid-term. so there's midterm elections later, for a later, third of governorships later plus this year. So it's a big Senate seat. And so, is it reasonable to assume that the Dems would have you know thrown up this kind of uh, show trial effectively? Without a per, without the without the accused actually being there, uh, so they can talk talk shit about him and make stuff up uh, in an effort to remind everybody why it's a really bad idea to vote Republican because by voting Republican you're voting Trump and who wants do you want another insurrection? I mean, they. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, how he still dominates the news cycle despite him being basically sin binned. Yeah. Know. Yeah, he yeah. has no platform, well, and yet af- he dominates they're the American of, They're news afraid cycle. of him, yeah. They're obviously seriously afraid of him. I mean, they were, they were terrified of him in, uh, for, for the four years that he was in the White House. Just put up, this is like part of the hearing, right? And I think that's, yeah, that's Liz, Liz Cheney. Is it Liz Cheney? Yeah, Liz Cheney. Uh, what a wonderful father she has oh. uh, in the form of Dick Cheney. But uh, she's in uh, office herself. A psychopath. Yeah, she's a congressman. She's uh, in Congress, uh, I think. Who's voting for her? I, I don't know. Yeah, bizarre. Um, I don't understand because she's not exactly a Republican. So, uh, and but then neither was her father. Really, he was a neocon. She isn't really a Republican. Anyway, this is a, se- uh, a segment from um, <laughs> these stupid hearings that are, you know, still on. We're still ongoing as of a couple of days ago, uh, or well, maybe last week. I don't know if they ended or not. But um, this is a testimony. Just. <laughs> uh, this is yeah a little bit of testimony, and um, I'll give you an idea. It'll give you an idea of, of the kind of stuff they're talking about. Go ahead. Related to him, we're not. We don't have the assets to do it. It's not secure. We're going back to the West Wing. The president had very strong, a very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of. I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mm. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle 
and Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. His clavicles. <laughs> I've seen the memes clavicles. about this. Yeah. Where uh, Trump's racing around on in, the, in the beast. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, she, she, this is obviously, she's Cassidy Hutchinson. She's a former aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and she's uh, recounting uh, second or maybe third-hand information about supposedly what happened on, on that day. So Trump was, this is after Trump's uh, rally, and then people have gone up to the, the Capitol, and... Trump is in the in the in the presidential limo, and um, he wants to go to. According to her, wants to go to take me to the capital. Take this is this is fucking MAGA country. Take me to the capital right now. I'm and, the fucking president. I'm the fucking president. Take me and and lunged at the steering wheel, grabbed the steering wheel, tried to grab the guys, throw all this kind of stuff. And this is from the back of of the beast. I don't know if you, the limo that he, he drives. Yeah, in. it's like half a mile long. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, none of it. It's just. I think the assessment was actually, you know, uh, contradicted. Uh, by in, in the past couple of days, by other people who said no, that that didn't happen. But here she is testifying in front yeah. of this committee that Trump went get kind of nuts and, and 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 tried to grab the steering wheel because he wanted to go to the Capitol to take part in the insurrection to overthrow uh, America and, is, and usher in a, a, a dictatorship, right? A theocracy. A theocracy, yeah. So um, yeah, but. You know, and the so- somber faces, and the, you know, very seriously telling how horrible. I don't know. It's it's it's. it's I, I guess like. it's meant to um, warn off American voters this coming midterms from voting anyone right who is Republican on the Trump side, right? But here's a headline: um, Guardian International Edition, also news cycle dominated by Trump in uh, in Britain. You know, whenever they talk about the U.S. Headline, pro-Trump Republicans primary wins, pro-Trump Republicans primary wins, raise alarm about U.S. democracy. So crucial races from Nevada to South Carolina return candidates who back, quote, big lie of stolen election, end quote, Mm. while Democrats lost Hispanic votes in South Texas. It's not working. They're, 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 Hope and pr- they're living on a hope and prayer that you know you they're, they're going to stave right. off. You can't just make it go away. Basically, no. what people what people saw over the four years of the Trump presidency and and what they you know uh, deduced, let's say from from the from what they saw, uh, you can't just wipe that out. You can't you can't like you can't make that go away. Um, so the best thing they can do is just try and distract people, just try to, you know, bring up anything and everything to distract the population and set them against each other, you know. It's, uh, yeah, sad. The whole thing's sad. Um, the Trump, they're calling it that, the Trump faction is going to win bigly. Unless, of course, there's a lot of, well, <clears throat> we can't say that because it doesn't happen in a beautiful democracy like America. All things being equal, they should win. They should clear the board this November. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. If you just go to the CNN homepage, like Trump is all over it too. Obviously, in relation to the January 6th hearing. Um, headline on CNN homepage right now. Trump's decision on when to announce the 2024 run has become even more pressing. And then they have speculative 
opinion pieces below that list of three about when he might do it, what they should do to prepare for it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So the man hasn't said anything, right? But they're assuming he is going to, number one. And number two, they're like strategizing already. Well, obviously, January 6th show trial is is part of that strategizing, Mm. but also in a formal capacity about how to stave it off, you know. When's he going to say... Do you see what I'm getting at? This yeah. is the obsession with this guy. Like, it's just, it speaks volumes, let's say, about, well, whatever happened in November 2020. Um, and also then about the the atrocious formal, you know, official poll ratings of Biden in the last two years. They know, they know this is completely unpopular. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, people need to think about that, you know, think about why the media is so, and really think about it, and not just go with uh, your kind of like what you've been told, but really think about why the media, uh, over the course of, of, of his, not just the media obviously, but the Washington establishment, over the course of his um, his administration, why they repeatedly, consistently attacked him and tried to undermine him and tried to you know, hobble his entire administration. And then since then, the, any prospect, any however small prospect of him being president again is so horrible for them. What, what's, the, what's the big deal? In the grand scheme of things, what's the big deal? What's the problem with him being president? The president of America doesn't have a lot of power anyway, at least normally. Usually, they don't have a lot of power. Uh, there's all sorts of checks and balances and stuff and... and um, oversight from Congress and the Washington establishment and the, and the CIA, as we, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, or mm. we played a couple of weeks ago, this, the, the intel agencies have six ways from Sunday to getting back at you if you, if, you, if you diss them in any way. So there's obviously a lot of different nested power centers within American politics that are, have much, you know, together certainly have much more control and power than the office of, 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 of the president. So what's the big deal? Is well, it all about the, the image, just the look? that you don't want someone who looks like Trump? Because that's what I got from the entire four years. Anybody who actually complained about Trump over the four years that he was president that I saw on social media was complaining more or less when it came down to it that he didn't look right. He didn't look presidential. He didn't talk and act presidential. That was it. Nothing to do with policies really at all because when you look at the actual policies, he didn't really do anything significant. He tried to do some things and those things weren't actually... Uh, negative. I mean, they might, some people might not have agreed with them, but they weren't some kind of like horrible, uh, you know, totality. He didn't totality. usher in fascism. No, anyway, any, mm. even close to it. Or he didn't even, you know, intimate that in any any way whatsoever. So, what is the big deal? That's it's just everything mm. is opinions manufactured for people by someone, by the media, yeah. by the establishment, whatever. I suppose you, those nested power centers would prefer not to spend four years. Directing their energy at right. having to hobble the They'd president. They'd rather run the country. Yeah. And in the way they rather want. run foreign policy right. with a clear sight. In particular what's foreign going policy. Outside, especially in Europe. Right. And we've seen how, much, how active Biden administration has been in Europe. Right. From, from the get-go, Nord Stream 2. I mean, the Nord Stream 2 cancellation goes back to Trump, you know, but as well. But um, well, it ramped up big time. Mm-hmm. Um, American, let's call it American management of Europe. Right. And, uh, well, I don't know if it's a natural segue, but uh, one of the consequences of the NATO meeting this week is that uh, the U.S. is increasing by 20,000, the, the number of U.S. troops stationed in Europe. Mm-hmm. Some in the East, but not only, Germany and Spain as well. More yeah. troops. Um, 
So they are obviously... Uh, yeah, we're, I was thinking about this recently and I think I was talking to talking to a few people about it as well. Um, of course. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. One last thing. Of course, that, that, that is in direct opposition at the foreign policy level to Trump's wish Domestic. anyway. I don't know how successful he was, his wish to return to isolationism. Right. Uh, well, to, That's such pejorative. You know what I mean, though? Right. Less of the right. Domestic, cost, Domestic costly policy. expanding overseas and let's just you know, streamline at the very least. And but bring deal with the American more. economy, deal yeah. with American infrastructure, deal with American social problems. But that's that's anathema to to the people who who really run the show behind the scenes, like the Washington establishment, as they're, as they're called. They're very much focused on uh, global domination, as they have been for a long time. Here's an interesting thought exercise: How might Russia-Ukraine war have gone? If Trump was president these last two years, might it not have happened? Might it have been different? Might Trump have used it to broker a deal, the art of the deal with Putin or something? I don't know. Well, might it have gone differently? 2016, he would have had to have been very quickly on the ball because by 2016, there was already a couple of years at least of the US, you know, F, you know arming, training the Ukrainian military with their long-term view to, uh, or yeah. short-term view to, to launching a war, which they were planning to do um, in March this year, just before, just after, or Russia invaded just just before uh, the plan uh, mm. that was hatched in 2014, after the coup, the U.S.-backed coup in, in, in Kiev in, in Ukraine 2014, where they overtook, took over, took control effectively of Ukraine, took control of its military and started training them for those following seven, eight years, um, with the view to um, basically attacking Russia, attacking Russian interests in Ukraine and attacking, trying to take back the Donbass, trying to take back Crimea <clears throat> and possibly then, you know, harass uh, Russia over its borders from Ukraine. Uh, that was the plan all along. Mm. And um, So Trump or Trump, no, doesn't matter. Well, it, that's it, what the anti-Trump, anti-imperialist left says. Yeah, I, th- I think that he probably would have tried to stop that happening. Uh, and he may have had some uh, some success in, in preventing it, and the Russians obviously would have been looking closely at what what was happening and w- which way the wind was blowing. Um, and so we'll never know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that was probably one of the major things they didn't want him <coughs> interfering with mm-hmm. from 2016 until 2020 uh, was was were those plans, and they basically distracted him yeah. and harassed him. Uh, <coughs> he signed off on a major shipment of javelins at some point, 2017 or so, mm. which which escalated the arms deliveries, at least maybe from a covert to an overt official level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember he was hemming and hawing about it because he wanted a deal with Kiev first and then someone leaked it. Right. Oh, Trump's using foreign policy to dig up dirt. I think maybe that was what led to his impeachment. Was that mm-hmm. the issue? It was part of it, yeah. Um, yeah, but 2014 was really a very, it was a significant, a significant year because of that coup in Ukraine and by, by the US, by CIA, US State Department, and what their intention was. I mean, they didn't just have that, they didn't just orchestrate that coup for, for fun, just for shits and giggles type thing. It obviously was part of a longer term plan to do what they have been doing and what they've got today, uh, which is... Uh, almost direct confrontation with Russia 
and all of the knock-on effects that it's having yeah. on global a, energy a prices. De facto NATO beachhead, right, on Russia's doorstep. Yeah, you could. E- I mean, you could even go back to nine eleven and see this as a kind of culmination of what the point of nine eleven was. Because we've talked before. I don't know if people remember this a long time ago, but back in nineteen ninety nine, the project for the New American Century, PNAC, new conservatives, basically Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz, Pearl, and, and a bunch of others in, in American kind of think tanks that were. A lot of them were former Trotskyists, former radical lefties who then became neocons, and that's why they called themselves neocons, because they were not conservatives or republicans. They're new conservatives. And their plan in this document... To conserve the empire we've was had to, since World War Two. Well, not... Yeah, well, not, their, their concern was that it was a failing empire, that they weren't doing enough. They weren't... They didn't have boots on the ground. They didn't have a strong enough presence in the important uh, global centre, let's say, in, uh, which was the Middle East and Afghanistan, uh, with a view to containing and controlling that part of the world in order to contain and control uh, Russia and China. that was, And they saw that back in, in the 1990s, you know. Um, and 9-11, they needed, in this PNAC document, uh, I can't remember the actual name of it now, but anyway, it's a PNAC document that laid out this need for uh, the US to project its power into the Middle East, rebuilding America's defences, mm-hmm. Was, was part of the title. Mm. Uh, and the term was forward operating base. Forward operating bases. They need to project American so power into, into, project American power into this strategic part of the world. And, but it was going to be difficult, they said, for um, that to happen, to get public support for it, unless they had a, gal- a galvanizing event. And they said it specifically like a new Pearl Harbor. But a year, year and a half later, they got that event and off they went into the Middle East. And everything that has happened since then has led up to, including the, the coup in Ukraine was another add-on to it, uh, has led to um, to all of the chaos that's spreading, at least in terms of uh, things that are directly related to the, the, the confrontation with Russia in Ukraine. Uh, yeah, they've led... That, 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 I don't know if it was a plan or... Obviously, the details aren't known in advance, but certainly the, these people had a plan, and it's been followed. It's interesting that the, the neoconservatives, Wolfowitz, oh, half of them are dead, maybe. Is Cheney still alive? I don't know. Rumsfeld? Yeah. Still kicking around. Wolfowitz? He kicked the bucket yet? No. Pearl? I don't know. They're probably all in nursing homes or something, or should be. But anyway, um, it's interesting that those weird cabal of schizoidal-type freak shows um, who were in power under Bush and they were in power previously, but they were just there for that period of time, making policy and implementing policy under Bush, probably under under two years of Bush, or two t- administrations, under eight years of Bush. Uh, but then through Obama, continues the whole, if you see it as a, as a strategy and, and a plan, and it, it, there is a, a continuum from 9-11 and that plan, in, in the, or the, from the PNAC document just before 9-11 to today, Today is a kind of like a culmination of a plan that was outlined by the neoconservatives in the late 90s. And it didn't matter who, <laughs> who came along in American, which, which administration, who, which president there was there or who, who, what administration there was. It didn't matter. It continued to, to, to today. Um, the fulfillment of the prophecy of the reality creators. Mm. And you all will be left to study what we do. Yeah. Judiciously, as you do. That's such a road. creepy comment, that yeah. line. Like, um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to look, look at it in, in hindsight now and see it happening. And, and of course, you know, it, it is kind of the end game because um, 
there's a you know there's a lot being said since since, since Russia invaded Ukraine, um, but there's a you know recently I think I don't know where he was talking he was just talking maybe there's a press conference or something but uh, uh, Putin Putin as <laughs> people in the UK keep every time I hear somebody in the UK talking about it, they say Putin Putin like like it's P E W Putin. That Putin fella. Um, it's Putin. <laughs> it's Putin, as Putin. Putin. P-O-O-T-A. <laughs> Putin. Anyway, um, this is from the Russian embassy in the UK, and it's just a little tweet, but it kind of sums up. Uh, some states are not ready. This is what Putin has said. Some states are not ready to accept losing their supremacy on the international stage and they are striving to preserve the unjust unipolar model under the guise of what they call a rules-based order and other questionable concepts. Uh, you know, he's said similar things before in, in the past few months, but, you know, it's a good uh, summation of, of of what's going on and why, why we're in the situation that we're in today, why the world... The reason the world is in, in, in any chaos anyone sees in the world today, at least from a geopolitical perspective or a political perspective is due to exactly what he says there. The US having lived, you know, high on the hog basically for since at least since the Second World War, being the world's policeman, dictating to others uh, what they should and shouldn't do and having its way pretty much most of the time. And becoming but, increasingly recklessly irresponsible. <coughs> yeah. Just printing money, well, yeah. starting fire, starting wars. There's no one to challenge them, right? And they're the, the global hegemon. Uh, but now things are, are changing and uh, they're not able to deal with it. So they're reacting in, in, in er, increasingly irrational ways to that. You know, what is a natural change uh, where one country cannot expect to be a global hegemon forever? At some point, other countries are going to improve and, and you're going to have uh, people who, you know, challenge other countries, that, especially big countries, either with uh, in terms of resources or population, are going to uh, rise up and... and become peers and are you willing to uh, is, is the hegemon willing to share a place at the top table if they're not then there's going to be problems there's going to be chaos for everybody you know yeah. um, so um, on the January 6th hearing did you hear about this guy Michael Stinger mm-hmm uh, Senate security chief at the time dies before hearing. He was due to give testimony that day. So he was the former Sar- Senate sergeant at arms who oversaw security during the quote-unquote insurrection. Oh, he died one day before he was to give to present new evidence. Don't know what that, what that is, though. Well, looks like we got ourselves... A coincidence, yeah. I wonder. He was, um, I, I, I don't think, it may just be coincidence. I think his family said he has had cancer for some time. Spent 35 years in the Secret Service before joining, uh, becoming Senate Sergeant at Arms in 2011. Oh, appointed, sorry, only appointed that post in 2018. Mm-hmm. I doubt he was about to spill anything serious. Because why else would they haul him up? I think. Yeah. They're not going to um, have a show trial and then have someone come and spoil it. <laughs> Spill the beans, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and there's been a bunch, bunch of videos. I think they've come out before, but there's been a bunch of videos from inside the, the Capitol at that time um, where, where it's, they're very, very suspicious-looking kind of um, activities uh, among some people. Where there's, there's one video. I think I can find it here. There's one, one video where there's people on, on camera who are being filmed uh, from above uh, actually opening the doors. Now... You could say maybe they're open. I don't know why would you open the doors if there's if there's going to be a, a, a riot or why would you open the doors the, the main doors to the capital? Yeah, they were ele- electronically controlled. Right. Doors, yeah. Yeah. Um, and if someone is on a CCTV camera. He motions up with a signal and then points to the door. Right. A second person repeats from the inside, looks up the camera, no, knows where the camera is, points at the door, and then it's electronically opened. Yeah. And from somewhere else. Uh, yeah. So that's the kind of thing where you'll, you'll just, you'll never, you know, uh, you'll never, you'll never know what the, what, what the actual truth is or what actually happened. But I mean, you can put two and two together and it came at, on the, at the tail end of, like I was saying earlier, of four years of, um, of the Washington establishment effectively making stuff up to, defame and demonize and smear Trump, uh, accusing him of things that he didn't actually do. Um, so why not, you know, as a last hurrah, as he's going out the door, um, make his legacy, make part of his legacy uh, that he attempted to, that he was responsible for uh, an insurrection in the country to overthrow overthrow democracy um, and, and destroy the seat of democracy. In Washington D.C., that's that's perfect, you know. They're pretty pretty smart when you think about it to, to be able to do that. And of course, um, I think there was, there's enough evidence at this point that there's never been answered really. But there's enough evidence. We played a, a video a couple of weeks ago of uh, of the FBI of an FBI deputy director or something being asked by who was she asked by? Um, I can't remember the senator. What was the senator? Was it Rick? Ted Cruz? Was it Ted Cruz? Ted Cruz asking her. Uh, basically a series of questions about well the FBI involvement on that day was there anybody there did they have any informants there did yeah. they engage in any violent acts etc cetera, etc cetera. and she said can't answer can't answer can't answer can't answer can't answer and that's what the FBI does I mean the idea that the FBI would have infiltrated groups of Trump supporters long before that day but you know have infiltrated them and, and then set set themselves in, put themselves in position or put their people in position on that day in order to create a certain outcome, i.e. make them look bad, make them do certain things, is the bread and butter of the FBI. That's, that's more or less what, that's probably 90% of what the FBI does. It's, it's called entrapment, and that's what they do. So why anybody would, have a, would, would dismiss it out of hand, the, the idea that that's what, that, that's what actually happened on... On, on January 6th, 2021, um, last year. Um, it's crazy. You don't know anything about the FBI in that case. Uh, even published stuff in the New York Times or in the Washington Post or whatever uh, over the years. So, uh, And yet, despite that, they have this, they have this show trial uh, just trying to perpetuate what is now a myth, has to be a myth, uh, that Trump orchestrated a, or organized a, Insurrection. An, an attempted coup 
<laughs> in Washington, D.C. You have to understand, people, this is just so ludicrous. The whole, there's so many ludicrous things happening in the world now that are passed off as serious news that you're meant to seriously consider as maybe actually being the truth. It's just that, you know, on the face of it, they're, they're ridiculous, you know what I mean? And we have to sit here and talk about them as if this is something that any serious person would ever talk about as being as, as, as a serious topic. <sighs> it goes down in history. It goes down as history. And then the next thing comes on top of it and it just ends up piling up. Yeah. I mean, there are many ludicrous things, Joe, before now where we were like, surely not. But it's, it's official history. It's yeah. just getting worse, though. You know, that's the problem. It's getting worse. Mm. Uh, former Vice President, Mr. President, Joe Biden, again this week, um, gave a shout out to uh, gas station owners to bring, please bring down their prices. I sent you something. It's a tweet. It's actually it's a response. It's, it's interesting. There's a lot to unpack here. So the, the the person responding is Jeff Bezos. But read Biden's tweet first. My message to the companies running gas stations and setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now. Uh, first of all, obviously that's like, that's nothing to do with me. You know, I'm just the president mm -hmm. and, you know, capitalism and the evil corporations are, are, ma are making me do it. Or rather, they're not playing ball. Um, maybe there's some truth to that, you know, price gouging and all that. Jeff Bezos' response um, he calls him out because he, he mentions the I word, inflation. Mm -hmm. This is Biden passing off any responsibility for rampant inflation in the U.S. Bezos' response, inflation is far too important a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this. I mean, he's just dismissing it right out of hand. Correctly, it's either straight ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. It's straight ahead misdirection, obviously. And that's what they've been engaging in. Uh, over and over again. That's the whole point of the Biden administration is to misdirect the public on every topic, yeah. on every issue. Um, yeah, well, the, you know, the bottom line is, who's it? Um, what's that kind of small, baldy-headed guy? Um, uh, economist, famous economist. can't remember his name right now. Uh, with glasses. <laughs> um, from, the, from the 80s. Uh, Milton Friedman. Yeah, yeah. Milton um, Friedman. He he's you know, well it's, it's it's not his. I mean obviously it's something that is well is well known or should be well known is that inflation is directly related to the the printing of money, yeah. how much money you print, yeah. and the only people who have the power to print money are in in Washington D.C. and it's, it's the government basically, it's the Fed and or the government. So if inflation is out of control, it's the government's fault. Bottom line, they're the ones who are printing the money, you know. Yeah. So. Um, for anything else on US politics like Ghislaine Maxwell got 20 years today yep. or yesterday still crickets about what she got 20 years for the headlines say it's for trafficking. sex trafficking mm -hmm. but that you know implies <laughs> yeah to who where any chance uh, any no. of the uh, the purchasers will uh no, it's all done and dusted, right? Just about her. 
Jeez, it's so corrupt. It's crazy. Yeah, know? it's nuts. Yeah, it's, it should be obvious, but there you go. Um, Pride Month's over. Oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Pride Month lives on in no. our hearts. No, no, no. Pride Month's it's over. seared into my it's, brain. It's done. It's done, yeah. So well, that's the end. We're not going to see any more rainbow flags. and. Uh, no, you will. You'll no. see a lot more rainbow flags. But um, the, the outpouring of um, love and concern and consideration for the LGBTQWXYZ community. Um, plus CIA. Plus CIA community will, um, will be toned down a little bit. Okay. Um, a little, <laughs> a little bit. We toned down a little bit. It just, it's just ramped up in June and in, in Pride Month. Proud of what? I'm not sure what they're proud of. Uh, I don't know what the idea behind Pride is. You know, goes before a fall. Uh, nah, that's just an old phrase. It doesn't really mean anything anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. Um, you know that. Um. um Rachel Levine, mm. Admiral, Sir Admiral Rachel Levine. Man of the Year, yeah. Babylon, um, Babylon B declared her Man of the Year. I mean... Declared him, ma- whatever. It's, yeah, I just need to say the name and people go, okay. Well, let's remind ourselves, this person, that's as diplomatic as I can be, this person is the deputy... deputy Minister or Secretary for Health mm-hmm. of the United States, mm-hmm. right? The country, not like a smaller position. That's a big, big role in government. So this She's is Assistant Secretary for Health. Okay, um, this is this is uh, her. Uh, sure. This week, I'm pretty sure it's this week. Um. Just play it, and then maybe they'll have to decipher it. Maybe people already know what this she's talking about. Uh, Gender-affirming care is life-saving, medically necessary, age-appropriate, and a critical tool for health care providers. As a pediatrician, when it comes to making sure kids are healthy and happy, I know how important care that affirmed someone's true identity can be. Okay, so do you know what Z is talking about gender affirming care. Uh, it's a it's a euphemism for gender conversion, gender some version of gender conversion but therapy. The whole spectrum. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, depending on Rear, depending like on the case. Surgery. Yeah. yeah, up to including surgery. Yeah. Children. Yeah, and it's go back to their. That's term. the U.S. government official. Children. Uh, it's uh, it's life saving. Life saving. Just wanted to check that. Yeah, she actually said it was life-saving. Well, it, it, it depends what kind of life you mean, but it yeah. um, depends on what you mean by, you know, what life is or what kind of life those certain people have after at a relatively young age starting on, a, on the path towards, uh, uh, you know, that up to and including uh, being, you know, having surgery to on your body to remove perfectly good parts of your body and, morph them into something that was never intended and anyway um yeah it's uh, there's lots of it, there's lots of problems with it. um go ahead yes it's hmm? i'm just 
it's just, just, I still can't believe this is actually a minister in the American government. <laughs> How did we get here? Yeah. Uh, How did we get to. I mean, yeah. one thing if, you know, this was on the fringe of the left, because obviously that's going to come with Biden and the whole package. But Biden himself. Uh, Depends what depends when you're say, when you're hearing him say it, but he has said at least on the campaign trail as well that you know the worst excesses of the radical of the left, you know, nah, don't worry about that. But here we are, and this is someone who's in the government, i.e., she's seeking funding to increase mutilations for children. Oh yeah, it's gender affirming care, whatever mm, you call mm. it. We need to have a problem. Thirty, forty percent of them regret it and our, and or kill themselves yeah. by adulthood. Yeah, and have all sorts of medical problems when they undergo 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 conversion surgery. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I could we could we could take a stand, or I could take a stand and get worked up and angry about this. But you know. Um, I'm not asking this, you to. I just at this point, it's live and let live, you know. Right. Uh, but the lines are drawn in that respect. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and there there has to be boundaries, you know, for people who don't agree with that. You know, um, this isn't something that's that universally, uh, universally a, a universal moral good that everybody should accept that everybody can agree on. Of course, it's not. It's it's, it's an opinion. Uh, of of one section or and, and a very very small section of of the population, um, in terms of the transgender people, it's like zero point two percent or something. Well, officially, I know you were saying earlier about stats showing that wherever they get these stats from, stats showing that it's now twenty five percent of 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 certain populations yeah. actually identify in some way mm-hmm. as non binary, non whatever. So. I don't know, but still, even even if it's twenty five percent, you're talking about only twenty five percent, and there's seventy five percent of the population who don't feel like that and don't agree with what you're doing. You know, so I mean, the only problem here is is whether you know when when the government gets gets behind it and starts mandating certain things. This is something that Jordan Peterson was kind of mm. came on the scene about the the Bill C nineteen in Canada, where the government was going, the Canadian government was going to enforce speech how you had to you had to address someone, or it would be a, possibly a criminal offence if you didn't uh, address someone the way they wanted to be addressed. Um, um, which is yeah bizarre, but that bill actually passed, and um, it's when the government starts mandating it and uh, forcing by law. Uh, on pain of some kind of punishment, the, the the large section of the population, the majority of the population, who probably don't agree with certain mm. aspects of it, then you've got a problem. You're pushing the country to, or any society, to a, a state of kind of, mm, well, civil war, or some kind of some kind of internal conflict within the country. Does live and let live extend to letting liberal parents organize the mutilation of their children? Yeah, if, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we don't agree to that on other moral issues. Pedophilia, for example. Right, or, or even just child abuse. There's just universal wrong. Child, yeah, if social, social services come and take, yeah. your, take your children away from you. For but when the social service is headed by someone who's right. encouraging, objectively, yeah. child abuse. Right. No, but, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're talking about the law there and government and stuff. I'm in a, I'm in a position where, you know, it's like... Um, I have there's there's I have no appeal or I I do not appeal to government at all anymore to fix anything. 
because mm-hmm. they're just making things worse all the time. So I've mm-hmm. long since abandoned any hope that, I, that it's possible to appeal to government to do anything mm-hmm. to fix any problems in society. I'm talking, when I say live and let live, I mean just at the level of ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's going to go. You're going to go to a factional uh, kind of makeup of society where you'll have groups of people who are in opposition to each other based on these cultural or uh, cultural beliefs or, or ideological mm-hmm. uh, beliefs and the, way that, and the way they live their lives. Um, again, it's hard for me to know, it's hard for anybody to know to what extent this is actually a thing and something that actually is or will in the near future impact the lives of the majority of ordinary people. Again, how many people agree with it? With, how many people are undergoing, it's a tiny percentage of the population are undergoing any kind of gender reassignment therapy or whatever phrase they use for it. It's, it's a very small So cent- small still. Right. Yeah. So, and assuming it stays that way, um, then it's just a sad, unfortunate uh, aspect of, of, of the human condition such as it is today. And there's many of those and you just have to have to live with them, you know. Um, but again, yeah, the problem is that if it gets to the point where government starts mandating it for people who don't agree with it and, and threatens them with punishment, then you're going to have, you're just going to encourage uh, a situation where people actually get mm. out in the streets and really protest for something that is really important to them. You know what I mean? And that's when you'll see real protests, you know? Um, yeah. Like we saw lockdowns and stuff. Yeah. Um, what's past is prologue and all that stuff. Uh, I won't dwell on this too long, but there's been a few updates about the Ovalde school shooting. Mm. Um, I just sent Scotty, I don't, this is not news news. You might have heard this um, Daily Mail headline, mom who was cuffed by cops before she managed to jump the fence and save her son and his friends from Ivaldi Gundam claim she is now being harassed by officers who mm-hmm. park outside her home and mm-hmm. flicker their headlights. Mm. Like, why? Yeah, maybe she broke protocol, safety, and blah, blah, blah. But that's, that's like creepy. You're going to keep going and harassing her? Um, super dodgy. Okay, yeah. here's another small one. Um, you remember, let's just take, you probably haven't read this, so I'm, I'm catching you unawares just from your snapshot memory of what took place. Do you remember how the gunman got in? Got in through a door. Came in through a door, and yeah. what was the description of, of why that door was open? Uh, a teacher had uh, opened it previously or something. Mm-hmm. That is indeed what they stated unequivocally, Chief of Police, at the first press conferences. So here's an update on that. This is from NPR. The story about how the Uvalde gunman entered the school is shifting. Well, we noted that before. Texas officials have said a teacher propped open a door at the Rob Elementary School in the Valley just before the gunman entered. Mm-hmm. But they now acknowledge that the woman closed the door after the teacher's attorney spoke out. So she gives some pushback on that. Yeah, because um, yeah, she, I mean, she would be accused of being the one who actually... Opened the door right. literally she to the entire have, massacre. She might have culpability. She's like, I don't want nothing to do with me. Now, the this, this story goes on to, this is actually from earlier in the month in June. So it goes on to say that it wasn't her, but it was another teacher, uh, unknown, unnamed, 
so the story changed a bit in the shifting version to it was a different teacher and a rock was involved. It explains there that the teacher had used a rock to leave the door propped open, um, which she removed a minute before, except unbeknownst to her, she had accidentally broken the automatic locking system by doing that. Mm. One minute before Ramos arrived to carry out his mass shootings. Okay, so that was the updated version in early June. So now there's been another update. <clears throat> Let's send it across. This is from last week. So this is indeed new news. NBC News reports that, in fact, that didn't happen either. Headline, multiple security failures contributed to school shooting. <clears throat> so if we scroll down, it explains that automatic locking doors and law enfor enforcement radios, I'll mention that in a minute, automatic locking doors failed during the shooting. Um, specifically, two doors failed. The one at the back door, and no teachers mentioned here as to leaving it open. Mm -hmm. And secondly, the doors in the classrooms failed. This school had been fitted with mm -hmm. anti-mass shooting as technology. Many, as many have. And the teacher went to go and make sure she could lock it, and she was horrified to discover when the shooting started that the door was not lockable. I, I haven't been able to find out now, but I'm guessing there's some electronic tech involved here and that it can be mm -hmm. overridden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did Ramos do that when he was just having a fight with his granny and ran off and picked the school more or less at random? You know, how how did that happen? No. Come on. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. The other thing they mentioned is that there were two. That's one issue, that the doors, automatic locking system for the doors wasn't working. The other one is that the police radios failed. The radio system was overwhelmed, slashed. They couldn't communicate with each other. Well, what a coincidence. The radios also failed at Parkland school shooting. Mm -hmm. yeah. To the point where they were like communicating with sign language. Yeah. Parkland school shooting also resulted in three or four officers. One, I think, was taken to trial for failing to respond. Do you remember? That right. was the impression you were left with. Yeah. Oh, the cops at the school were chicken shit. Same as this one. Same as this one. Mm. I didn't, I knew when, as soon as they started saying that on day two of this, oh, there was, the cops at the school were chicken shit. And people then, you know, it's kind of a satisfactory fall, fallback, mm -hmm. you know. Well, the start of that article called it an abject failure. <laughs> that the police response was an abject failure. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a convenient narrative, but mm -hmm. it doesn't fit with... Um, Coincidental technological. Well, it does. Well, yeah, that. But it also doesn't fit with the way police respond to those situations. When they've been allowed to respond, they'll they'll respond pretty well. They'll at least attempt to, especially when it's a children's school. Like they're not going to hang up, hang about like they are accused of doing or, or, or said they did. Hang around outside for an hour uh, and and wait to see what happens. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. While there's shooting going on, it's just ridiculous. You know. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really care if people, you know want to go there or not or can or can't go there the bottom line is is that i know enough about the way america and the kind of deep state and the people behind you know the power behind the throne let's say in the u.s and in other countries works and that it actually exists there's multi there's over the years over the decades there's a wealth of information to show that there is that kind of a structure behind the scenes that the overt government aren't very well informed about what actually goes on. They're not the ones who take take um, take the major decisions. 
And so that, that element behind the scenes does exist, has existed for a very long time. And their goal is, you know, their goals are multifaceted in terms of domestic and foreign policy, but they, they're pretty, uh, they're, there's, there's not really any level that they won't stoop to in achieving their goals. And the mass shootings in the U.S. serve a very, very clear, very effective, um, or, or a very clear purpose in terms of social control and social division and distracting people from um, from what's going on in, up up the hierarchy, you know. Mm. Um, so for me, I mean, we've talked about, we've, we've wrote about, uh, or we've written about and... Um, and and discussed on publicly, uh, going back a long time, these kind of things that are called false flag operations, which got public recognition, official recognition, earlier this year, when as when uh, the U.S. or when Russia was, you know, when the U.S. media and government were reporting on Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine at the beginning, well, and they talked about false flag on operations. The eve of it. it hadn't right. started yet. Right. The day before, yeah. And they let us know to be on the lookout for of. Russia shooting up children's schools right. and blaming right. Ukraine and the West. Right. So, I mean, that kind of thing happens in the world. It happens in the centres of power. Of course, anything bad that happens always happens outside of America, outside of Western countries. It's never Western governments who do this. It's always they who accuse other people of, of doing these kind of things, of false flag. But it, it gives official recognition to the existence of uh, false flag operations and specifically shooting up schools and blaming someone else for it, killing children, let's say, in schools and blaming someone else for yeah. it as a policy tool. Yeah. Uh, so are we not allowed to apply that to America? Yeah. It's, on, on what basis are we not allowed to apply that to America? Right. What is it, guys? Is it a conspiracy thinking, conspiracy theory that sh- could or should result in the purveyor of said theories being locked up for mental instability or is it actually a concept <laughs> they're flickering between the two yeah. depending on the the suitability of the context well as george bush said after not long after 9-11 he said let us let us not entertain outrageous conspiracy theories and he was referring specifically to 9 11 as a consp- as a as a false flag uh operation um but jump forward 20 years and you have the pentagon a deputy spokesman um, recognizing it as a reality. Is it only true today and it wasn't true back then? I don't know. We'll see. Eventually, one day. Um, what else is going on? Oh, yeah, well, this week, talking about Russia and Ukraine and stuff, uh, G7 got together. What day was that? Monday? Yeah. Really got together in Madrid on Monday. G7 being... The usual suspects from the US, France, UK, Germany. It's a top boy band, isn't it? It's a boy band, G7. Yeah, I saw the uh, photo. Bojo and, and, of course, the, what do you call her, um, von der Leyen, von der Bin Leyen. Um, oh, she's backup vocals, yeah. I think. Uh, so they all got together in Madrid to have a bit of fun and talk bullshit, basically, talk, talk crap. Uh, about, uh, f- you know, with no... <laughs> Talk about things of, of no real significance in a, in a certain sense or, or talk in a way uh, that, that led to absolutely nothing. It was just a photo op uh, for them to make it appear like they actually have any influence or any, 
any desire to do anything of any significance or any benefit to anyone. Um, but on the day that it happened, there was a, and it just so I don't know, coincidence, I suppose, um, Russia was accused of firing a missile at a shopping, uh, shopping centre, mm. bombing effectively a shopping centre um, with a thousand people inside, supposedly according to Kiev. Um, on that on that day, and it, it was it, that that event was used by the members of the G seven uh, to great effect to condemn Russia and et cetera, et cetera. So it was quite coincidental, I suppose. But um, it turns out that it wasn't actually uh, they didn't actually bomb a shopping center. The shopping center caught a fire as a result of a bombing of a, of a missile attack on a what was effectively a military installation. Um, right next, next to the next to the shopping centre. So, um, and of course, there weren't a thousand people inside. Um, there was something I don't know. The numbers they gave were like ten people had died, but who knows? You can't believe a word that comes out of Kiev or of Zelensky's mouth, or really any of the Western powers' mouths these days. So, um, bottom line is, yeah, it was a. It was not a missile strike on a. On a shopping centre, it was a missile strike on a facility, a large facility right next door, and um, that that was a staging ground for. I think it was a, a storage area, basically for weapons, uh, Ukrainian storage area for weapons. So in um, the city centre, yeah, which again speaks to the, the tactic of hiding troops and weapons, right? Of course, yeah, among civilians. Of course, Russia hits it. This and was it generates tons of CCTV footage. Right, people fleeing. Right, you know. And this was in Kremenchuk, which is quite far away from the front lines. It's kind of like western, central Ukraine. You can just throw it up there, Scotty. Uh, this is a counter, I suppose, um, counter to the narrative that it was a, an actual shopping centre or, or that it was a missile that struck the shopping centre. Um, this is it beginning to catch fire. Um, there's no... There's no sign of any missile strike or people running from the building but rather people coming to look at it um, there's also um, this is the this is the aftermath um, of the of that fire that you just saw in that video um, and there's no crater. Um, and there's this one, which is um, like a satellite shot, satellite image of um, the red dot is a is a shopping center. And all those buildings to the right are, are the actual buildings where the where the missiles were fired. And in fact, see at the top of the picture under the word Kremenchuk there, there's a video going around of uh, mm. of people diving into that pond. A couple of people running and kind of one of them jumping into the pond, whatever. Just as an explosion occurs to their left, which would be in that building immediately to, the, to below the uh, one of those two buildings immediately immediately below the pond area. Uh, which is quite far. There were two missile strikes, probably another one uh, to the building just north of, or just above the um, the red dot of the shopping centre there. So those those three buildings, those three main buildings, were were targeted 
and as a result of debris or whatever, um, or, or maybe partially because of the explosion, the, the shopping centre caught on fire. But that was all turned into uh, Russia missile strike on shopping centre with a thousand people yeah. inside. It's just I know I know it's boring and you probably know this already, but it's hard in the moment. We've, we've, you know, we've, we've detailed a lot of the. And, and anybody who's been watching should know that it's almost 100% lies coming out of Kiev and the White House and Western powers about what's happening in Ukraine. They've repeatedly lied over and over again about, about pretty much everything on the reporting of it. But they still keep, they keep doing it because in the moment, there's, there can be doubt. You know, when you see a, a headline story or headlines across all the, all the broadsheets that uh, Russia uh, strikes, hits bombs, shopping centre, you know, a thousand people inside, and that's all you read. You can you can wonder for a minute if that's what actually happened. So uh, even though we know that they've repeatedly lied and they'll continue to lie as part of their propaganda, you still have to deal with each individual lie. Maybe not each one, but the major ones, because uh, I suppose you never know that, there may be some truth to it on, on certain occasions and you need to actually look at it. But so far, pretty much all of the major incidents uh, that have been reported about uh, the, the invasion of Ukraine have been, by the Western media, have been lies. Mm-hmm. To one extent or another have been lies. Um, it's amazing how quickly as well they all fall out of the news. With the exception of Bucha. Yeah. I think a lot more work went into that. That was because, I mean, there's a report, I, I was looking at it, Couple of weeks ago, the others think, were kind uh, of opportunistic. It was a yeah. It was a Butcher was a was well planned and was it. There's a, it was in some mainstream media outlet a, a story about it and it was, was quoting. It was a story about the the task force team that was put together from multiple countries in order to organize uh, multiple countries in the West to organize the shipment of uh, of weapons to Ukraine right at the very beginning, they put it all together, right? And there, there was a quote, they, they asked for comments, or they interviewed some of the people involved in this task force. Uh, I think it was an English guy, whatever, and he was saying, yeah, but Busha, you know, it, it really, it was a turning point. You know, we really we really got serious about the the effort to, to, to supply Ukraine with any weapons mm-hmm. it needed because of what we saw happening in Bucha. So it really, it seems that Bucha was a defining moment in mm-hmm. order... Uh, in, or, in order to win hearts and minds in, in Western populations and amongst the people involved in the military, Western military operations against Russia and for Ukraine um, to, to really convince them that they were fighting the good fight. But that's, I mean, when you, when you consider the idea of the fog of war and uh, the information war and, you know, mistruths and misdirection and lies as part of a war, as, a, as seen as a justifiable part of any kind of any, any kind of war, um, where do you draw the line? At what 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 size of lies can, can be told? Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's completely open. I mean, there's no restrictions. It's only what you can get away with. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's justifiable. I'm not saying that's not a conspiracy theory. That's if you're involved in a war and any wars that have happened in modern history, and probably ancient history as well, but certainly in modern history. There's never been any restrictions on the kind of misinformation and lies towards about the enemy, uh, to, you know, directed towards the domestic population and against and towards the enemy population. There, there's never been any restrictions on the amount of lies and mm-hmm. the size of the lies that you can tell. The bigger, the better, as long as you can get away with it. 
because you don't want to tell lies that are easily exposed as lies because then you discredit yourself and you can't continue your information war. So as long as you can get away with it, as long as you organize it well enough and, and, and catapult the propaganda, <coughs> as W like to say, um, then everything goes, basically. Mm-hmm. Everything is, is fair play. So you really have to take a broader view and look, stand back and, and, and look at the situation in, in that or from that perspective and, uh, and assess each situation uh, based on the awareness that that is actually going, going to be happening all the time and who has the most to gain from, who needs to lie the most because often in a war one side will need to lie the most about their intentions because... Both sides obviously want to present themselves as fighting a, a moral good fight, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes, anyway, one side is not does not have the moral high ground. It's in the moral low ground, let's say, and uh, they're the ones who need to tell more lies because the other ones with the moral high ground, the objective moral high ground, they can just let, let the facts speak for themselves. They don't have to do much spin. The ones who are on the other side need to spin a lot need to tell a lot of lies. So you can get a good read on, on, on a, or as, as, as close as possible to a, a more objective assessment of who's, who are the goodies and baddies in this war look, by looking at who is telling the most lies, who is spinning the most. Mm. And, and, you know, usually even though the spin is there, you can look at details and, and get an idea. That sounds like bullshit. Sounds like that's, that's war propaganda right there. Yeah, that side seems to be spreading most war propaganda. Why would they be doing that? They don't need to do it. They're doing it of their own initiative. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's, that's a much better explanation than, <clears throat> well, the lie ends up getting exposed. Um, several weeks ago, I pointed out the, a Time magazine article which was noting that outside the West, Putin mm-hmm. has popular support for this war in Ukraine. Uh, people are not as exposed and to Western English language media or, or yeah. even just Western media. Uh, they got themselves tied up in knots trying to explain this because they realized they had a contradiction. They probably shouldn't have brought it up because it reminded right. me, oh my God, of course, it's a glaring elephant in the room. They said, it looks like the standards of Russian information and influence operations has gone down since 2016 dot, dot, dot. That's why they're being, quote, slaughtered in the information war Mm. here in Ukraine, which gave away the fact that there was no Russian high-tech, sophisticated, manipulating the whole Western mind, you know, know, getting inside the American voters. But that that was a lie. They exposed an earlier lie, trying to explain for why Russia is not able to counter... The, all the one-way traffic in the in the Western media, right on Ukraine. Yeah, so so the awesome power of the Russian propaganda machine that led led, that led to Trump getting elected was it, was a fantastic. <laughs> yeah. that, that it was, was made. It was made by the awesome power of the propaganda machine mm. in the West. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, there really is no. There's no. There, in a sense, there are no two sides here. There is no Russian counter. Mm. There's RT and Sputnik, but they just nix them from Europe. You know, um, you have to go search for it online. Maybe there's a, a sizable minority who actively do that, but for most people, it doesn't exist. There are no two sides. There's only one. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you said nothing of any significance really happened with the meetings. Well, Biden announces more troops to Europe uh, after G7 gets together. So they all agree. Okay, yeah, more troops. Um, then the NATO summit in Madrid then, they agreed to pick a fight with China. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is this the war with Russia is going great. Let's um let's make a fight with China to boot. Um I isn't it isn't it a telling kind of summarizes where we're at. We've got all these world leaders flying in to Bavaria and then on to Madrid and back to Japan and Washington and London, wherever. They're coming into Western Europe at a very time when air traffic is just seized up this week mm-hmm. for different reasons all coming together. You've got worker strikes going on in France. Mm-hmm. You've got apparently a COVID outbreak in Ireland seizing Whatever. up its airport, cancelling flights yeah, right. left, right and centre. You've got, um, they just said staff shortages in airports in the UK. Um people losing their baggage and missing flights, cancellations. And then these guys, happy as, mm-hmm. well, you saw how happy they were in the family photo mm-hmm. in Bavaria. Mm-hmm. No ties, um, all palsy. Yeah, they fly in, they fly out. They do something to, they do their governing. They, uh, you know, we did some government. We improved your, your, you lost conditions. But they didn't. I mean, they mm-hmm. didn't do shit. In fact, Europe was like sclerotic this week. <laughs> no one, anyone flying this week, but like, will have seen up close the chaos that's going on. Um, and here are these guys and gals flying in and out of the same places. No problem. Private mm-hmm. jets. Mm-hmm. Air Force. What? What was that conversation between Boris and? Uh, Trudeau. Uh, so much shit from this week. Okay, so I think the gist of it was Boris says uh, to Trudeau in front of the cameras, um, that's, a nice, uh, that's a nice jet you flew in on there. You know, big one, you know? And Trudeau's like, he's, he's pretending, no, no, it's only, it's only a small, small thing, yeah. And they're both like, Commercial airliners, commercial airliners, yeah. They're both pretending, no, no, my, my plane was more modest than yours, mm-hmm. i.e. as a kind of sop to, you know, green agenda, climate change. No, no, no I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be excessive, you know. Mm-hmm. And then having a laugh about it, mm-hmm. just completely mocking people in their faces. They don't, they're not aware that that's what they're doing. Um, I, yeah, and then they did the... Then they had the people probably saw it, the um, the chat at the G seven talking about Putin's uh, Putin's pecs, show more pecs and all that kind of stuff. Again, Boris leading the way. Yeah, um, that was uh, yeah. I mean, they're just not serious people, you know. And that's that's the best I can say about them is they're not serious people, you know. But they're taken seriously. Um, It's um, it's just it's a shit show basically. Um, uh, stuff's um, 
Here, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just let people see it in case. We'll put it on just in case they didn't, uh, in case they didn't, um, somebody didn't see it. But uh, this is, this is the state of Western democracies, and uh, when they get together to talk about really important, really important topics. Oh, yes, that's like very the best. We talked about them. He's saying, show them our pecs. Show, yeah. show, the public, show the public. You know, we know all the cameras on us. We're going to show the public our pecs. Ha, 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 ha. Because that's what Putin did. And, and, you know, Putin got some traction whenever he was, you know, bare-chested up in, uh, out in holiday up in the Russian t- tundra, a Siberian tundra, uh, a few years back or whatever. And there's lots of memes made of it. And obviously, they're just deriding. But they don't understand that... Uh, they're deriding from, ordinary people. Well, they're, they're deriding ordinary people, and they're also deriding. They're also making fun of, of, of something that ordinary people, a lot of them anyway, didn't make fun of. And people, ordinary people, don't share that opinion. Hmm. Where they're they're talking in a derisive manner about Putin's pecs. People actually saw him because we were on horseback. He was out on holiday, and, and there were other videos of him doing. It, and people actually thought that was wow. He kind of like you know, it's kind of kind of cool that he's a real person he goes on holiday and he's like in good shape or whatever blah 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 and this bunch of flabby windbags are sitting in, in Madrid drunk and, ta- case. and drunk probably talking smack about, about him and, and they think that that's gaining them they're getting some traction with the population by doing that so they're so detached that they, yeah. they, they have no idea um, yeah and uh, yeah that, that's so that, that's, that's how serious they were you know what I mean um, and that's their that's their attitude towards the, the the general situation. It's just it's it's a it's a it's a pissing contest. You know, they think it's a pissing contest between between them and Putin. Yeah, um, I don't think von der Leyen w- was picking up the the undertones though. She pipes up, "Oh yeah. yes, yes, horse horseback horse riding is great." Yeah, she is actually a champion horse rider. Um, dressage competitions right. up the wazoo right. um, for Germany in the early nineties. She's got one hell of an interesting past, that woman. Her family tree, this is a quote from Foreign Policy, her family tree traces a legacy of power and brutality, incorporating not only some of Germany's most significant Nazis, but also some of Britain's largest slave traders and, through marriage, some of the United States' largest slave owners. Mm. She's House of Hanover. She's got a good pedigree then, Nazis and slave owners. She's got a direct... Definitely got a good pedigree to deal with Ukraine, Nazis and slave owners. Um, what were you going to say? Uh, got an ancestor from the house, the electorate of Hanover. Mm. So her great, 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 great something granddaddy was directly involved in subverting the British monarchy and putting a German in there back in like 1700s. It's ironic because, of course, she's the head of the EU and Brexit and Boris and Britain's not in Europe. But the regime in Britain... Extends, Literally was put in there by a German, yeah, monarch system, oligarchy, back in the day. 
You know, you know, she and he went to the same school as well at one point. Her and her and, her her and, and Boris, yeah. The first European school in Brussels. Um, she was born there, actually. She's also isn't she the one? Her and her husband are into uh, vaccines, or her husband. Um, yeah, the German branch of it, BioNTech. Mm. I think her husband is. Yep. A shareholder in the sole proprietor of something that goes into the back. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, raking it in. Yeah. Wow. I mean, how much more evidence of corruption or of very likely corruption do you need? Um I don't know. Anyway, talking about Russia, yeah. So basically today um the the Russia, in terms of what's going on in Ukraine, in terms of the what's it called special military operation, um, it's um, going as planned, as we've said repeatedly from the very beginning on this show, from the very beginning of the of the Russian special military operation in Ukraine, that it was planned to take at least one year, and it was going to you know follow a certain trajectory that they they expected it to follow, and it seems to be doing that. It's got today the uh, the secretary, the defense minister Shoigu in um, in Russia said that uh, that the LPR, the Luhansk People's Republic, mm. so one of the two uh, People's Republics that broke away in 2014 after the US backed coup, installing a kind of neo-Nazi right-wing anti-Russian regime. Uh, when they broke away, uh, um, both of those more or less declared independence soon after, and and were basically at war then with Ukraine for the last eight years. So one of those two, Luhansk and the northern one, it's actually, I think it's technically the bigger one. Uh, that's been pretty much fully taken by the, the Russians. And uh, the one below that, Donbass, there's a bit more work to do there, but that'll follow follow suit pretty soon. Donetsk. Uh, yeah, the, and that'll be the, basically the eastern, the entire eastern area of, of, of Ukraine up against Russia will have been under, will be under Russian control, including down south towards along the Black Sea, be more more work to do along the bottom of um, along the Black Sea, the bo- bottom coast of Ukraine, along the over to Odessa. But at that point, and that's what we were talking about in previous shows about that, basically they may take and they may be able to at that point take a bit more land eastwards over to the Dnieper River, which runs sort of north south, uh, more or less in the middle of Ukraine, or not quite in the middle, but you know slightly east of slightly right of of middle. But the plan may be to take. A little bit more land to the west, and also all along uh, the bottom, right over to Odessa. So there's still Odessa to take. And interestingly, the Danube, which is I'm not sure is the longest river in Europe, but it's a very long river. It starts up in the, I think the Bavarian or the, where the, where the G7 were, the Bavarian Alps or in the in the German Alps. It start it, it it sources there, and it flows all the way across in a kind of meandering path all the way out at just just uh, south of Odessa, basically, in uh, Romania, but very close to Odessa. Um, uh, the Danube River, um, mm. which is a, a a big river for the whole for, for its whole course and navigable, and a lot of a lot of trade goes um, through that river, up and down that river, connecting Eastern Europe to the Black Sea. Uh, so, if that comes under Russian control, then it'll be a kind of a, there's an out there in a certain sense for um, if they ever took. I don't know if they're able to take it, but some Eastern European countries have a a kind of like an alternative. Um, trade transport corridor 
out of Europe towards the, towards the towards the east. You know what I mean? I think it's it's it, it's a fairly significant um, uh, uh, strategic mm. waterway uh, waterway to be to, to be taken. You know, I wonder if American weapons have been coming down there towards Ukraine. Did you see this morning that the Ukrainians hit Belgorod? Yes, with two missile strikes. I think that's a first. They've hit it with helicopters before now. Yep. Another shelling maybe mm-hmm. hit nearby, but this is the longest distance. And I'm wondering if this is new weapons that arrived in Ukraine. That's that's is that an escalation? It's possible, and it's also um, I think I, I didn't. I just I was just looking at there. It seems to be. It may have been a what do you call those a cluster munition, mm. um, but yes, so hitting a, a residential area. Yes, exactly. So you know, precisely what they accuse Russia of, they do. Of course, yeah. And this is this is they're, they're in a way they're trying to give Russia. This is a taste. It's not they're trying to give them, but this is a taste of what Russia would have faced, mm. but in a, on a much bigger scale, if they hadn't done what they what they did in in, in February in late February this year because like I said for the past eight years after the coup in 2014 uh, the US backed coup that overthrew the legitimate uh, government of Yanukovych and installed a pro-Western anti-Russian neo-Nazi type regime in Kiev the the Western countries particularly the US began arming and training uh, tens of thousands of Ukrainian military personnel um, with a view to effectively waging war with Russia to take back the sections at the time of uh, of the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic and Crimea. Uh, so Russia's invasion, like we keep saying, was to prevent a wider war, basically, to prevent a bigger war, a war that they, rather than wait for the war to come to them, they took the war to uh, where they were very sure um, the war was going to come from. Um, yeah, so this is now... Yeah, they're... You know, and the problem here with this is there's been talk the kind of missiles or weapons that the U.S. and and allies are delivering to Ukraine. Uh, we may see more of this, basically, longer range weapons, longer range longer range missile systems able to fire from uh, well within uh, Western held Ukraine into Russia. And if that happen, if that continues to happen, if it gets worse, yeah, you can expect some serious pushback from Russia in the form of you know not messing around and giving as good or better than it, than it's getting, basically. And that would mean not attacking Ukraine. That would mean attacking potentially um, military, Western NATO military infrastructure outside of Ukraine in Western Europe. Yeah. That reminds me of the tweet you sent me, Scotty, earlier this week, uh, posted by Roscosmos, yeah. the official channel. As the NATO summit was kicking off, they posted these high-res pictures, probably anyone could have got them, of the venues for where the NATO summit was taking place in Madrid. And it was kind of cryptic, but they used the keyword they've used in another context before. They said these are photos of Western decision-making centers. Mm -hmm. They've used that context before with Kiev. We're threatening if Kiev kept firing into Russia, we would take out decision-making centers in Kiev. right. But that was fight and talk, like 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is, do you think that's on the card? I mean, I know you would love it to be Henny Penny World War Three. No, not Henny Penny. You would love it to be. You're not worried about World War Three. <laughs> You're just wanting to see some serious payback for these war warmongers in Western nations. And yes, it's long overdue, but I don't know. Uh, I think the Russians. It would have to be pretty serious for the Russians to actually uh, target um, individuals. High-level individuals, and obviously yeah. there's no point in tra- at, at, if you're going to do that, you, you may as well go for people like Bojo and, and, and his ilk and the rest of them in, in, in Europe. But I think Russia would, that would be a, you know... That's the last be, card. If, if that was to happen, there would be different options taken or different mm. different actions taken um, or different options considered before doing that, like basically military installations in in Germany and Poland, uh, for example, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's ruled out if it if it continues on if it escalates, you know. Um, but I, I get the impression that Russia would, and it's it's consistent with the way Russia has done done politics or done geopolitics over the, the course of the past twenty years, uh, is that they wait, 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 and then they basically lull their enemy into a false sense of security. You know, they'll, they'll take a lot of flack, take a lot of hits, take a lot of. Um, uh, abuse basically but when they respond they go you know up several notches from what you would expect you know mm-hmm. because they see the way the wind's blown here they see the arrogance and they see their intent you know I mean people look at the Russian invasion of Ukraine and it looks like this major extreme aggressive move to invade the country with so many troops and to try and take over the country it seems crazy but it's not it's actually quite moderate mm. when you understand what they were responding to, you know, yeah. um, but it had to be done. It was it. it was, they, they didn't do any half measures when they did it. When they decide to do something, there's no half measures. So Western leaders and the Western politicians and Western military people should, I would, I hope they would, they would understand that 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 if they get to the point where they provoke Russia to actually, where Russia sees what they're doing and sees that they're taking steps, it's almost like. You know when two people f- fight or something, you know, uh, or two people start to fight, you know, and one person, one person is aggressing another person, let's say, and, and, and say, you're, say you're coming towards me and I say, listen, and I'm Russia, right? I'd be Russia and you'd be, you'd be, you'd be the West, right? So you're stepping forward. Gee, thanks. And I, sorry, Neil, somebody has to be it. Come and on. I, and like, you're like five steps away. And I say, you know, look, five steps away is a bit too close. You're a bit aggressive. Don't come any closer. And you go, oh, yeah? And you take one step further. And it says four and like, listen, really, it's not a good idea. Don't do it, you know. And so it progresses that way. And I, I use the same tone all the time. And you expect that. You expect that. Well, what's going to happen whenever you get right up close to me? I'm just going to like chest bump you or something. Uh, no, it's like I take out a sledgehammer. As soon, you know what I mean. Mm. When I see that you're, you know what I mean. Once you get past a certain point, it's like. There, there, there's, it's all in basically because I know where it goes if I let you go any further, you know, or whatever point is my red line. I know that you're crazy enough that only extreme measures will stop you, mm. and that's it's rational, especially given the type of people that they're dealing with in the West. And uh, I think that's that's what that's the kind of scenario you'll be looking at. I don't know what the details are, obviously, but that's the kind of scenario you're looking at where Russia would. Yeah, take fairly extreme to, to in a certain sense to to shock the person or the people back into 
to, to, into reality, you know? Out you of don't complacency. Just poke, you don't just poke them a little bit, yeah. you know? Because the complacency is all leading to... Well, it's arrogance, right? And, and a sense of... The complacency is leading us to an actual World War Three scenario anyway. Yeah. So well, it's complacency. You, you hope that you shock the other side into, oh, actually, no. We, we should take active measures to stop this... This, this, uh, these, these steps that are leading to that place anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what I mean? I think, it, yeah, I, w- I just don't, I don't know about the word complacency. It's like you're not shocking them out of complacency. You're taking, you're responding to what you see and know and, and are sure based on, based on long observation that this person is approaching you or has intent towards you that is extremely pre- prejudicial. They're approaching you with extreme prejudice. You know what their intent is. The, this isn't just some stupid person who's just kind of like going, eh, Russia doesn't, we'll do whatever we want, whatever. They know, you know, uh, the Russians know that these people have destruction they're, they're on their mind. It's not, you know, but they think they can just get there by, on their own, on their own, on their own time, if you know what I mean, and, and no one will stop them type thing, you know. That yeah. Russia would never take this action. And it's a good, it's a good strategy to, to develop, you know, where you, in the past, you have never, you've always, um, taken it talked, to the brink. Talked softly. Well, you've, Russia has always talked oh, softly and appealed uh, and in a certain sense shown a kind of like a, what could be, what could be seen to be weakness or an, a, and a, or, or discipline or a, a discipline or a willingness to put up with a lot of shit. Because uh, then you lull your enemy into a false sense of security that they can continue to harass you in that way and get to the point where you, where they're in your house, basically, you know, right inside your house, you know. Um, but and that, but then obviously when they step go one step too far, you open up a can of whoop ass, you know, uh, compl- you know, and just end it, basically end the end the discussion, you know. So yeah, I think that's most likely what, where, what it would how it would transpire rather than some kind of a wishy washy. It's, it's not it it's there. not an MAD whoopass. It's no. a carefully done sort of yeah. Like we've said on both sides, yeah. there's no nuke no. option. There no. is no nuke option really. I mean, it's not going to happen. I mean, that MAD does assure that there will be no nuclear exchange. But and, and at this point, they're well versed that they know that. And they're all focused on have been for many years focused on the conventional uh, conventional options. So you're talking about military a conventional information, cyber, yeah. all of it, yeah. energy, politics, um, sorry, uh, economics. That's that's what they've clearly, you know. That that, that that's that's the, the the arena in which they're they've clearly decided to operate. Uh, but it's, but it can be very it can be as devastating. If, if it goes too far, it could be as devastating as potentially as, as a kind of the end, can ultimately have the same end result as, as a nuclear exchange, you know, where you have the collapse of one side or the yeah, other. Yeah, where you have mass starvation and, you know, but no, you wreck everything, you know what I mean? It's, uh, uh, if you wreck the economy, you know. Um, <laughs> On wrecking the economy, a final piece of me, um, a kind of in the Western sphere, the one outlier so far in all this talk about, oh, God, we're banned Russian oil. Oh, God, we have to save the planet. Sorry, folks, looks like there's going to be rolling blackouts this winter. France has been sort of mentioned as, well, they'll be okay. Will they, though? 
headline in oilprice.com, France sees nuclear energy output plummet at the worst possible moment. So obviously France is well known for having like three quarters of its electricity supplied by nuclear power. It's unique in Western Europe in that respect. It actually supplies power to Germany, which relies on France's grid. Alas, they've just discovered in the last couple of weeks that they're going to have to shut down half of the nuclear reactors because, oops, we weren't paying attention, and now suddenly we realize they're all suffering from corrosion, so we need to shut them down. It's just weird. Absolutely, even the article itself notes that the timing is, you know, just do atrocious. Do we, do we believe it, though? Well, that that's what they're declaring. Pulling uh, certain strings. They're saying half, half of them won't be working, like, in the next year or something. Yeah. And they're not even sure they'll ever get back online because, well, you know, because of the COVID pandemic, we've not got enough staff, expertise, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a very, very creepy addition to all the other hints of yeah, really what else can you call it but economic sabotage that's going on. Prepping us for yeah, exactly economic sabotage. Uh, one last thing, just on Bojo, couldn't let him get away with this one because um, you know he's so woke. Bojo's so woke. Um, uh, talking about uh, again about like his favorite topic these days, uh, Russia and Putin. Um, he used the term toxic masculinity. Just play that. Prime Minister, yeah, yeah. great to see you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so is is the Welt. And, I, and I, I, you need more women in positions of power. If Putin was a woman, which I, he obviously isn't, but uh, if he were, Man, I really don't think he would have embarked on a crazy, macho war of, of invasion uh, and violence in the way that he has. If you want a perfect example of toxic masculinity, it's, it, it's what he's doing in, in Ukraine. <laughs> Toxic masculinity. What a douchebag. Um, I just put up that picture. This is a Russian response to, to him saying that um, that if he was a woman, Putin was a woman, he wouldn't. They put this up. This is He's dressed up as a babushka. This is up on right beside the British embassy in Moscow. Uh, and <laughs> the, the Russian government, or somebody obviously put that up. Uh, if granny had balls, she would be grandpa. Uh, that's basically, so that's basically what you're saying then. Uh, <laughs> Boris, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> That, and uh, that is indeed, that's a still from a video. It is right next to the British Embassy. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it's almost, it's, it, you could pick apart a lot in that kind of thing. You know, obviously Boris is dressed up as a, as a woman there, you know, so what? So just dress dress some guys up as a woman and then they, uh, they're, they're all good, you know. Putin actually gave a formal statement as well yeah. uh, in response. He said that British journalists may want to recall the events of recent history when Margaret Thatcher invaded the Falkland Islands. Mm -hmm. A completely imperial aggression with no justification in international law whatsoever. Booyah. Booyah. Um, yeah. So things are kicking off in Uzbekistan just today, I think. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, headlines are all like blood on the streets, but it looks suspiciously like paint to me. No, well, maybe it is blood surprised. on the streets. They're pretty. There's red all over the streets. They're pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a group. What are they called? The uh, there's a um, kind of an ethnic group yeah. in Western Uzbekistan um, called the Kam 
something something pack. The autonomous region is called Karakal Pakistan. Karakal Pakistan, uh, and those people they're kind of like a separate group, and they had autonomy. Um, they had a limited autonomy within Uzbekistan, and then the Uzbek uh, government, which is you know fond of a good bit of, fond of a bit of authoritarianism, um, has been for quite some time. Um, they rescinded the, the the freedoms they had, basically the autonomy they had, and then there were protests, and then they cracked down on it, basically on the protests in a fairly by brutal, opening fire, fairly brutal fashion. Yeah, okay. but it's not surprising for the, the Uzbek. Just re, you should read. Check Craig Murray on Uzbekistan. He used to be the UK ambassador to Uzbekistan. He he get a good idea of what's going on over there. But um, last thing uh, I just wanted to, to mention was I know it's I know it's not a it's not a thing anymore, right? Or it is a thing. Is it COVID? Um, is COVID a thing still? I knew we wouldn't get through a show without COVID. <laughs> COVID. Good this man, got, the band's gonna make it. The COVID ban's going to make it. This is just a study. It's out of Qatar, actually, a fairly large study, um, and it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine just recently, and it basically concludes that, don't don't be fooled with the title, uh, well, the title's open, but the conclusion is that natural immunity is better than vaccination and the immunity conferred by, by vaccination uh, as we know immunity from these dodgy dodgy vaccines um, lasts just a few months and then you're basically on your own but it's even worse than that because uh, having primed your immune system to the the the, the spike protein the specific spike protein that's in the in the vaccines you kind of hobble your immune system effectively by priming it towards that uh, that uh, strain of the coronavirus uh, and the current strain of the coronavirus is then has an easier time of infecting you basically because your immune system is primed by the vaccine to look to look elsewhere and that's just one of the potential possible probable uh, negative effects of, of the vaccination. So basically, there's a study that says natural immunity lasts longer, better than vaccinations. Of course, there's always the thing that they keep repeating and they never want to shut up about, which is that, oh, but but vaccines stop severe illness and death. Maybe, but in a very small percentage of the population who are in danger of severe illness and death, i.e. people usually elderly with multiple serious comorbidities, which is a very small percentage of the population, ergo, there's absolutely no reason to mandate, force people, bodily autonomy, force people... My body, my choice. Force people to take a vaccine, which is what they did. Okay. On pain of no longer being a member of society, take the vaccine. They may as well have a gun to, their, to, to many people's heads. That's the way they responded. People who would, otherwise would not have taken it, took it under duress. And those are the people who did not need it and in fact have had their immune systems potentially compromised by these experimental vaccines slash gene therapy. Now, I'm no scientist, but this is my surprise face. Yeah, well, it was always going to go so, there. Uh, so, is, is the seventh wave upon us? What Are they seriously ramping up talk about more lockdowns or something? Mask or? wearing, lockdowns, I don't know. They're not, they're not baggy enough. They're, people are just desperate. They don't know what they're doing, and they're also desperate which is a really bad combination. Mm. 
Uh, they're desperate to keep control, desperate, desperate to stay relevant, desperate to keep the narrative going, uh, desperate to maintain their positions of power in a, in a faltering, uh, you know, Western-dominated or American-dominated uh, former global hegemony. And it's all going wrong for them, but at the same time, they're not serious about it. As we yeah, saw the G7, they're weird, all having a laugh because they're just weird combination. Yeah, they're they're oh, serious, 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 serious problems with these people, um, and they're going to cause serious problems for everybody. Uh, and they're just going to go, Meh, I don't know, didn't work. Maybe it's all your fault. Maybe you guys are the ones with the problem. You're that not, is you're not kind doing, of the you're message. You're not doing it right. Yeah, that's the message. You're not green enough. You're where you, you you cause the energy supply from driving your car. Stop driving your car. Buy an electric car. Uh, invest in a windmill investment in a wind turbine and some solar panels and then this wouldn't have happened it's all your fault we have to go now bye bye see ya oh, where'd you go oh that makes you angry okay then fine it's not your fault it's Putin's fault yeah Putin there, did it defected on him His what fault. do you mean well you don't care about Putin uh, what about race wars what about uh, culture wars why don't you fight each other we have to go now see ya bye <laughs> you all have a good time fighting each other over um, some shit they fly off to where do they fly? Where are they going to find refuge? Because they can't outside the West. It's got to be within the West. Yeah, yeah. Got lots of bunkers and stuff, don't they? Hmm. Down in the bunker. Switzerland. Switzerland. They're all going to take refuge in the, in, the, in, the, in the eagle's nest. They've got an eagle's nest in the high Swiss Alps from where they will observe the destruction <laughs> of society <laughs> and laugh and rub their hands together. <laughs> or something like that. Who knows? Anyway, uh, yeah. One almost two hours. Let's go. We're gonna hit the road. Let's hit the go. road. Got to go, go, go and do stuff. We got way more important. No, we don't have way more important stuff to do than this. But we've got other important stuff to do. Which part of which is actually keeping up with what's going on. And uh, so we can talk to you next week about uh, Wayne more Nelson stuff. in the comments says they're off to uh, the South Pole. Yeah, yeah, great idea. Uh, the Hollow Earth, no South Pole, and then straight down this hole in the middle into uh, a big like underground, massive underground city where there are. Um, I don't know. Dwarfs <laughs> waiting for them. Waiting for them. Waiting to serve them. Carnivorous dwarfs waiting to eat them. Anyway, that's probably a very inappropriate thing to say. I'll probably infringe some kind of yeah. It's it's cultural thing there by talking dwarfs. What is it? It's height affected people. H- no, not affected. No height limited. <laughs> no. Shit. Stop. Let's go there. Height. Uh, height differ- differentiated. Uh, yeah. Uh, persons. Height challenged people. Birthing persons. Height differentiated. Not challenged. You can never present it as a... As a... As a, as a, prob- as a problem. No. Height different. Height special. I don't know. Height special birthing persons. Whatever. Look, you're talking shape now. Let's go. Uh, listen, yeah. So listen, thanks for watching, listening, reading. What do you want reading? Maybe you're reading. Uh, chatting. Uh, don't forget to smash all the buttons and thanks for commenting uh, because that's apparently a good idea to comment on our videos and stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Hope you enjoy this one. See you See then. You later. Bye. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.